Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of State of the Art. I'm your host, Andrew Herman. And if this is your first time here, let me tell you a little bit about what we're doing. We're talking about art technology and the intersection between them. But mostly, we want to talk about why you should care about this stuff. I've been on both sides of this coin as a startup founder, an engineer, a creative, and I'm just fascinated by the world where art and technology overlap. So I'll be talking to artists, collectors, CEOs, and founders, anybody who has any perspective on this world I want to talk to. Unless you've been living under a rock in the last 10 years, you know that social media has changed everything about our modern life. And the art world's no different. Museums, galleries, exhibitions, art venues, all of these different outlets are struggling to keep up with being shareable and insta-worthy. In fact, in 2017, participants in a study by CultureTrack said that they would much rather be entertained than educated, and that the majority prefer social interactions as opposed to quiet reflection when attending cultural events like exhibitions. So in order to kind of better understand this, we speak with some of the best minds behind some of the most noteworthy, grammable exhibitions, museums, and venues that are popping up today. One such space is One Dome, an interactive arts and entertainment venue in San Francisco. Bay Area residents may be familiar with the One Dome's Unreal Garden or Liminal, two of their mixed media experiences using adaptive technology to create immersive and engaging worlds for visitors to explore. I don't want to give away too much because I hope you guys go and check this stuff out, but to give you a little bit of an idea of what these things are, because they are unlike anything else you'll ever see. Uh, the Unreal Garden uses mixed reality to create a surreal world overrun by lush vegetation, merging physical space, sound, projection mapping, and augmented reality. To fully experience the Unreal Garden, you'll wear augmented reality headsets, but the whole idea behind these goggles is they don't impede seeing and sharing with others that are exploring the space. This allows visitors to share in the experience in real time, something that One Dome really prides itself on as shifting the me to the we. One Dome's family-friendly Liminal is their newest exhibition offering 14 rooms of digital art, which respond to and transform as visitors move through the space, allowing patrons to become part of the artwork itself. Experiential venues like One Dome are one of several spaces bundled into the category of selfie palaces by the media. Today, as part of our investigation into these new venues, we speak with Leila Amir Sadegi, Chief Marketing Officer at One Dome, about the rise of these experiential venues and their place in the art world, the fine line between arts and entertainment, the audience One Dome is catering to, the role of social media within these places, and how or why experiential venues are helping or hindering the art world. So I really hope you'll enjoy today's episode. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another uh, week, listeners, to another week of State of the Art. And this week, we are here at One Dome with Layla. I'm going to ask you to pronounce your last name again. Amir Sadegi. <laughs> Layla Amir, Amir Sadegi. Amir Sadegi. So welcome to the podcast, Layla Amir Sadegi. Um, and thank you for chatting with us. How are you doing today, first of all? Excellent. Thank you. How are you? I am very, very well. Um, so we we just explained on the intro kind of a little bit about uh, what One Dome is. Um, can you first kind of just as a little kickoff, give us a little background to kind of how you got here and what your involvement with One Dome is? Oof. <laughs> we have, <laughs> long how long road. do we have? No, absolutely. Um, yeah, so a um, little background on me. I've sort of been, I started out in technology in the late 90s, um, what would probably be perceived as 
a modern day digital agency back then, um, dot com bubble burst. And I randomly ended up being asked to set up and run the largest venue in London, uh, 30,000 square feet, 3,000 capacity, um, total trip, totally out <laughs> the blue and going, what, got no business to do this. Um, it was super yeah. fun, a lot of great experience, learned the hard way, you know, two, three years of that when I was like, this is not the world I want to be in, you know, um, big corporate events were wonderful in the week, but the club nights on the weekends were hard and, you know, kind of, uh, no, I didn't see 20 years of that ahead yeah. of me. Where's um, thin? does wet thin. And I've always done events in one way or another, just whether it's personal or private or, or you know, in um, in a paid capacity. Um, and so that's when I chose to actually move to the States um, in 2004. And um, it was right at the advent of sort of the internet coming, um, the internet becoming prevalent within advertising and marketing. So it was the beginning of sort of digital becoming a channel. Mm. And, um, we had started a little web company and, um, we ended up, we were doing websites and then tripped into working with Crispin Porter and JWT, the largest, you know, ad agencies in the country mm-hmm. who had pitched, uh, really cool concepts, digital concepts and campaign concepts to like Mini Cooper and a bunch of other big brands who had said yes, but they had no idea how to make them come to life. So it was sort of pitching ideas and then going, oh, we don't actually have digital resources. So <laughs> we ended up actually building a business entirely on supporting the ad agencies in the digital realm um, and doing some absurd kind of campaigns where money, the kind of money that was spent on microsites back then, I mean, you never see that today, yeah. you know? Um <laughs> And it's a shame because, you know, that was the real budgets that you really should be putting behind things. Unfortunately, it was used the wrong way back then. And then now when you've got more strategic thinking and awareness, you know, the budgets shrink. Um, yeah. So cut to, um, you know, that company did really well, ended up selling to Sapient. Um, I bounced out of that into a digital agency in LA called Blitz. And then we ended up growing from 20 to 100 and some people. Um, four years there, bounced from there into switch so so it started with you know sort of the digital product went into um marketing digital marketing shifted out of that into entertainment marketing um working for trailer park uh, which is one of the largest entertainment agencies in the world i worked with all the studios and the tv networks um that was really when i started doing integrated campaigns and the experiential element came into play very with brands um, you know, ahead of a movie release or a TV show, especially the ones that are franchise based and have a core following, the ability to create sort of these integrated campaigns that had an experiential play to them. Hmm. Um, and that's where I started seeing that sort of ecosystem of content and technology and entertainment coming together and realizing that, you know, if you can sit at that intersection, that's a really powerful place to be. Um, and then I stayed in the entertainment sphere until about a year and a half ago, at which point I just burnt out. Um, 20 years on the agency side, reached a place where it was just time to be done with that side of it. It's really hard to to be put in a position by a client or by a brand or by a company where you're responsible for a shift or growth or you know some success metric. Hmm. Um, and being asked to be the partner in play, you know, to come and deliver on that, but yet not really being allowed 
to do the thing that's needed. So out of fear, there's a lot of fear in the business. So there's like, wait, I don't know if that's going to work. That's not the same thing we've been doing for 20 years, you know? And so it reached this place of just frustration of really not really being set up to be successful and allow the success to play to the people we're, you know, working for. Um, So yeah, I was just sort of, I'm done. Um, And I put down on paper for the first time in life, I was like, okay, what is it you want? You know, what do you want out of your life? What do you want out of your business? What do you want to be doing? And it, it seems that I wrote, I must, I, I conjured, I think is the word, um, the power of manifestation and also of putting pen to paper. But within hours, I got my first phone call. And it was really this intersection of content, technology, entertainment, content being art for me was, you know, content isn't just a movie or it, it really is creation, right? It's the content, it could be a art piece, it could be a photograph, it could be a video, it could be a film, it could be whatever, that's content and figuring out how to then tie those elements together. Um, but with with an experiential play in there. So it was literally like, okay, I want, yes, I want to be spoiled, all the things I love, I want to do it in one company yeah. or one business. Um, and I got a phone call. I got a few phone calls and it happened to be, I ended up being invited to, to help strategize um, with an agency on behalf of The Void. Um, I just finished working on Ready Player One for, with Warner Brothers, and and so you know Very I've been cool. through that. Um, did the marketing campaign for that, um, and not me personally, but worked on that with a lot of people. Um, so generally, not a one person job. <laughs> generally not, and hopefully <laughs> never. Especially one day when we talk about the me to we. It's really important. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, I mean this is a long winded way of answering your question. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, so cut to so I ended up doing a little bit with uh, the Void. Um, with Two Bit Circus out of LA, they're you know friends as well, and sort of just the timing. Hey, what are you doing? I did a little consulting, help them from a launch strategy. They're a location-based entertainment company that just opened in, in LA last summer, um, and then One Dome came into the field um, initially as a client, actually, um, yeah. to develop the brand. And our model was uh, the vision was always there. It was always the same. It's been stayed the same. Um, the model was slightly different. And when I when I got involved. Um, it was at a transitional moment um, where the company shortly thereafter needed to pivot and it happened that the timing was perfect and mm. that I had, you know, I had some experience, I had experience and a vision in how that pivot could happen. And so the company reeled and restructured and I ended up becoming, being asked to be a co-founder. Um, and that was at the beginning of last year. Um, and here we are. So yeah. uh, it's sort of <laughs> long-winded way of going, hey. <laughs> well, congratulations. Well, it sounds you. like to some extent uh, this is payoff to a job already well done in a bit of a previous life, but it seems like uh, the position that you kind of created for yourself. Huh? You know, I'm, yes, I, it's just super, super grateful to be, yeah, to be living the dream, I think is the right word for it. And it's bloody hard too. You know, it's like, it's sure. not, um, startups, I don't think anyone prepares you for what a startup is. And, you know, having worked in the agency world, which is pretty traumatic at times. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's exciting to be here. I'm very grateful. We have phenomenal co-founders and team and people just keep coming and showing up in the field at the right time that we need. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, we're here very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's a couple of things I want to dig into, um, that you, you hit on a couple of these things, um, already, the first, so um, 
So One Dome is self-described on their website as an interactive arts and entertainment venue in San Francisco. And uh, as we're talking about all these these sort of um, new experiences, galleries, museums, whatever, um, I, I think a lot of people are asking, what is the line between arts and entertainment? Is there a line? Do you guys think about that? Is it all just kind of um, one big idea for you? How do you kind of separate that out? It's it's many it's many threads there. Um, I mean, I think taking a step back as to what One Dome is, you know, the way it's described on the website is in its most simple form hmm. um, and informational enough. When somebody gets there, you go, okay, I know where it is and kind of what it is. So, okay, I'm going to go to the next page deeper. Right. Um, you know, what One Dome is is an immersive media and entertainment company first and foremost, and you know, we believe that. Um, Humans are social beings, right? And technology to date has caused a rift between people and almost this um, this sort of retraction, this contraction. Um, and, um, and so what we believe is a few things. One, we believe that it's really important to provide opportunities and experiences that bring people back together and enable connection at a deeper level. Um, we believe that connection leads to community. And we believe that creativity can inspire that connection and community. So for us, it's less about like the fine line between arts and entertainment and tech, and it's more about how do we create and curate experiences for each other that touch, move, and inspire? How do we start to open a field up that invites people to come in and experience worlds that are grounded in reality in some way, um, that are fantastical in other ways, um, that also have nuggets of, you know, whether it's knowledge or... Uh, connection to the earth in some way you might come across a, a you know plant in the AR experience that looks wacky but it's actually real from some part of the world and and that sort mm. of you know allows you to create a connection emotional connection to things that you might take for granted on a daily basis um so for us um you know we believe a couple of things one that you know entertainment sugar-coated vegetables right a means to get people in and keep them engaged and interested and excited hmm. in the right way, and then be able to, you know, to to use technology and game elements and biofeedback and other other sort of um, tools to then augment the experience a little bit, so that your behavior in experience, you know, whether I come across to a flock of birds, really cool looking birds, and I come on a little strong. You know, the device is going to sense that the birds will go away. In my moment of stillness and presence, that's a moment of mindfulness. Now the birds come back. Now whether maybe one out of 20 people make that connection, <laughs> it's not about, we're not here to like, you know, to, to preach or push or try and change people. We want to provide experiences that invite this journey from me to we, that inspire connection among strangers, that incite conversations that might lead to community, that eventually lead to action. Hmm. So that's the longer-term vision of Wondom and what we're here to do. We feel that the conscious use of immersive tech, when used right, can help us connect back to ourselves, each other, and the earth. Hmm. And 
instead of looking at an escape from reality, why not look at it as a way to come closer to the magic of reality, be it, be it you know, flora, fauna, be it galaxies or other elements, you know, the themes will stay grounded in an element that just that is real and connects you so that your impact is actually long lived potentially if you you know as opposed to well that was super cool and completely you know <laughs> um out of whack and that's never gonna happen. So that was fun. Okay, nice two hours. I just watched that and did that. Um yeah. so what do, what do you think the key elements are that that drive toward that to making it a more memorable long term experience as opposed to a novelty? Because I think that's that is the risk that a lot of these groups that you're running, that um, a lot of these sort of upstart, whether it's augmented reality or um, just modern digital arts in general, um, there is the risk of sort of being novelty. How do you avoid that? Um, it's a great question. And I don't know yet. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think you have to stay true to what we're here to do, right? So both both the Unreal Garden and Liminal are minimum viable products of where we want them to go. Hmm. Both of which are, at least the Unreal Garden for sure, has never been done before in this manner. So, you know, when you sort of sit and go, okay, well, um, we've got a big vision, you know, and but you can't necessarily, um, you can't necessarily jump to that right out the gate. Who, who's wonder? Nobody's heard of us before three months ago. And now suddenly, you know, we're, we're big because we've had this success and in a short amount of time, but and unless we maintain that, there is no one time six months from now. But you have to earn that credibility. You have to earn that respect. And the first and foremost is is putting out experiences that, you know, that people go, oh, that was pretty cool. Wow. You know, that's a production. Yeah. For us, it's a high caliber. If you look at the immersive space and um, location-based entertainment at its infancy today, um, my prediction personally is it's going to be larger than the motion picture business in 10 to 20 years from now. I mean, mm. it's going to start to get to that place 100 years from now. Um, immersive will take over from that realm. And, you know, we're no longer going to be in a being entertained too, but being a participant in our own entertainment. And that's really important. And um, so how do you keep it from being a novelty? Well, first of all, I think you have to give it some substance and depth. So the experience, so with the Unreal Garden, there's the garden element, which becomes the foundation from future products in the mixed reality space there. There's the flora and fauna and the physical build out. Um, in order to get a product up and running and open in a few months, um, we had to also go, okay, well, how? what's the tentpole content? And do we really have the time and budget to really build from scratch right now? No. Plus, you have to test it, right? I mean, you can't live yeah. user test. You can run a bunch of users testing sessions, but really when you've got thousands of people going through the doors, that's when you find all the problems. And right. so you have to open and go, okay, let's figure it out, you know? And so we decided that... This, the way to do that would be to curate an art exhibit. And just a little background on the art side of things, my family is very much in the fine arts world. I've always been a little bit of the black sheep as it comes to art, where I've always been a, a collector and a, a fan of sort of pop surreal, street art, lowbrow, you know, those elements, and always always got this sort of, that's not art. Well, right. you know what? Today that is art, and art is not just the um, – the masters and the impressionists and the and the way that it's viewed in one segment. Art is so much more than that. And so one of the things that's happened, if you look at art, art has been the the uh, the uh, trigger for change and transformation in so many worlds and countries and over so much time, right? Renaissances that have been, um, we're due for one soon. And yet it's always been very 
exclusive to a certain type of audience, and sure. it maintained that way. Um, and I think that in itself has kept it closed off uh, from so many that might actually find themselves more interested in art than they are, you know? And so we felt technology was a way to open that door. So to bring the masses into the art world without, you know, and then give them the opportunity to go, oh, cool, I like art. Um, also, a platform like the Unreal Garden and Liminal, both of which we create in a way where we look at them as platforms for artists. So Wonder, more than anything, is a platform. Hmm. Um, an artist platform where what we want to do is facilitate, uh, if you look at a media company, it's creation, production, distribution. Well, creation for us happens with a collective of artists all over the world. Production we support, distribution is in the experiences on sites. So one in San Francisco is the first of many permanent locations. So what we want to do is facilitate the ability for artists, and artists to us is a creator, whether it's a painter, whether it's a mixed reality artist, whether it's an animator who's building video games, whether it's somebody who who does physical productions, like if you look at the garden and the amount of work that went into the actual physical um, mm. design of that, you yeah. know, um, as it's a projection mapping artist or a lighting expert or a sound person, that's art, that's content, that's creation. And then the ability to bring those things together. So we want to facilitate, one, we want to bring art to the masses in a new way. And two, we want to provide Artists in the immersive space, especially the digital, the 3D, and all these other artists who have made their living in ways that they might not necessarily be culturally aligned or value aligned with, um, the opportunity to start to do more and get it out and exposed in front of people. So the first step is getting that work in front of people. The second step is then providing a monetization stream, whether it's the digital site, you can buy the, you want to buy the, you know, you want to buy the lens and the art piece, you get 20 grand and you can what you know have the art piece in your you know living room through the lens or we can have a digital version on the phone and it's mm. just a new way of collecting. It's also a new way of providing a monetization stream for artists. And additionally, we share, we're a B Corp. So it's all about giving back. And one of the things we do is we share profits from ticket sales with participating artists as well. So mm. for us, it's not about, it's about creating an engine where your creators can come in, your technologists can come in, your visionaries can come in. And by the way, the canvas is blank and we can have an idea together. Now, moving forward, we want to do less creating and more curating and mm. put it out to artists. So we've got fine artists right now in our existing exhibit. Um, they, you know, they, their art form is in one way, but we want to put it out and say, hey, we're creating this world, for example, a Pandora-style world. Yeah, and here's a theme. Here's a loose narration, narrative, and and creative direction without being too prescriptive. And go, okay, pick your character, plant whatever you pick, build your own little world. That's your art piece, you know. And it hmm. comes. So, I think there's so much potential to evolve, um, the word art and how art is perceived and what it is, and the artists and and just yeah, and to open it up beyond. Just just for the listeners, what. What types of artists are actually – so you mentioned, um, and for those of you who haven't seen it, we described it a little earlier, but there is kind of set pieces that you're walking through. There's 3D art. Um, so what types of artists are you actually working with to to create this content? Right. So with the Unreal Garden, we curated – it started with a vision and a theme, the theme being very loose, um, which was life unrestrained, this idea of um, – Life can exist in many forms, and the idea of organic, breathable, you know, whether it's in an art piece or whether it's in, um, yeah, in any any kind of form. And um, and so when we chose the artists, it was based on both their, them, 
and their history and how, you know, so, so value aligned in many mm-hmm. ways. And also a piece that we saw that was like, oh, yeah, that fits very nicely in this theme. Mm. Now, we have everything from oil on canvas to pencil sketches to two-dimensional 2D digital painting to 3D art to glass sculptures and everything in between. Now, we only have three pieces that were originally 3D art, but even those we had to transform to bring them into augmented reality and work in the way we wanted. We actually did the create, our team did the creation of the art pieces in AR, but we tried Mm. to replicate without changing the art in any way. So for example, the Schuster Mosley pieces, the three glass sculptures, part of the art is the glass, part of the art is how the light refracts through that and the shadow it creates on the ground. We recreated those elements with projectors, with lighting, with, you know, recreate with the AR 3D asset aspects so that, I mean, it's it's subtle and it's not, but we tried to maintain the authenticity of the piece. Hmm. Um, with Android Jones's piece, for example, he's a 2D digital painter. And because it was a 2D object that was quite flat, but it had the potential of a world in there, we got permission from him to take the layers. And then we ended up creating a little 3D world hmm. that you walk through. It was the last, the far corner by the waterfall. Yeah, that was yeah. that. Um, you know, the three jellyfish, those are pencil sketches. Huh. You know, and... uh and, you know, I collect, I've collected Scott Musgrove's work since 2005. So, yeah. you know, when I started thinking about the Unreal Garden, the first, actually, this is, this is the most recent pieces but before we, uh, before the summer at least. And um, I was just like, the first thing that came to mind, I was like, these beg to be 3D. Yeah. I mean, you can just see them living and walking around them and sticking your head in them. Then he got super excited as the artist. And he's like, well, I want to put a brain in all of them and I want to get some colors and stuff. <laughs> and so that's collaboration. That's me to we. So whether it's, you know, it's it's sort of, facilitating a new way of that art being portrayed um whether it's you know whether it's sort of pulling in art that exists um yeah all right everybody we wanted to take a quick break to say hey we hope you're loving the show and we want to know more about who you are and what you want to hear it helps us continue to make great content that you love and it helps us attract advertisers so we can get paid to continue to make awesome content for you please go to sodapodcast.com slash survey to help us out. That's S-O-T-A podcast.com slash survey. Another amazing way we support the show is through our Patreon page. We've actually worked down the street for Patreon for the last six years and seen them go from an idea to a platform that has helped creators make over $300 million. The thing we know from being in the art business is that selling art is hard. In part because it can be above someone's budget, or as a podcaster, you need 10,000 listeners before getting any of the ad agencies to talk to you. But that's not even always the best way to monetize. Patreon is a great way for you to connect with your fans and invite them to become members. So for any creators interested in learning more, you can actually apply to speak to a Patreon launch specialist by heading to patreon.com soda slash apply. That's patreon.com S-O-T-A slash apply. Thanks for checking us out and back to the show. So I, I do want to rewind to a point that you made earlier and you mentioned that, you know, you really see this um, sort of is a way to bring art to the masses, right? Um, one of the things that I'm curious to get your perspective on is why, why is now the right time for these experiences? You know, we're seeing this now again, um, and our listeners will be hearing about this all month, all these different um, exhibits yep. and places that are popping up. But, but what's so interesting is that um, 
they're not necessarily uh, the technologies are not necessarily brand new. A lot of this stuff, you know, VR stuff has been around since the eighties. AR stuff is newer, but um, some version of that has existed. And a lot, you know, you even see things like like Meow Wolf, Meow Wolf, who we interviewed earlier in the year. A lot of their stuff is fully analog. It's not necessarily, totally. you know, um, it's it's just, but but. There's something that people are being tapped into right now with these experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, from your perspective, why is now the right time for this to be sort of the um, the lingua franca, franca lingua, yep. franca lingua, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever the, the term is. <laughs> um, you know, great question. I think it. I think we started seeing this shift about three years ago. Hmm. Um, and part of it was a behavioral shift, and I think generational somewhat too. Of um, entertainment today has been passive, right? You sit in a movie theater, you watch it, you're being entertained too, and you're not able to communicate or interact or engage with the people around you. Hmm. Um, and even in the in a theater theater or in you know a, a comedy show, whatever it is, actually that's less. No, never mind about that last one. Um, but. <laughs> You know, and what we're seeing is audiences demanding more interactivity, more participatory, um, more social to be done with friends, and also, by the way, more shareable in the real time because that's the behavior right now. It's like, hey, um, I want to share the cool things I'm doing on Instagram, you know? And so um, you started seeing that shift, and I think that shift um, started then – you know, bringing about more of these elements, the beginning of a new industry and um, where location-based entertainment is shifting out of the traditional movie theater and the bowling alley and the, although the bowling alley is a social experience, you know, you can engage and talk, but the movie theater or, um, or, or a traditional amusement park um, and, and extending to these other sort of experiences, be it museum of ice cream, be it a meow wolf, be it a two-bit circus, be it, you know, uh, the void or a VR arcade or one dome. Um, so I, I think, you know, again, going back to we're social beings and humans have kind of reached this place of going, okay, why are we doing things in isolation or in silence? Let's do things together and let's have fun in that way. And then, you know, the more eye candy, I think, I think it's just the more that allows the more comfort in, oh, I want to share this out there, you know? Yeah. And part of, I think, you know, there's vanity in the sharing, but there's also, I really do believe that people try to curate for each other, you know? And so it's like, hey, check this out. This is a genuinely like, you should go check it out if you're here. Yeah. So um, to play devil's advocate, right, the the cynics would would dig into uh, sort of the promotion of social media as maybe antithetical to nah, – antithetical is probably too strong. But, um, but, you know, distracting maybe is the right word from um, the real sort of cultural or creative intent. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you guys have taken um, a different position since it's something that is advocated here. It's something that you guys actively embrace. Do you feel like there's any risk there? Is there a line that you need to sort of – toe or are you not concerned do you think that's um i think not useful okay the the use of social media it's a fine line um i do believe it's a fine line so it's about we believe that um it's about the tools that you give the people and what they do with that so for us right now the garden is a little less socially shareable because it's dark we can't have people with their phones around rocks and water and rivers with a headset on their head and 20 other people in there because it's dangerous right um plus 
your phone capturing video or, or, or photos of the experience with that lighting isn't going to actually bring you anything. Um, we're getting to a place where we're, you know, as you see, you ended with being able to take a roller coaster shot. And we're also going to actually extend that to be in lens where people can start saying snap. It's not there yet, but mm. they'll be able to do things. Now, the reason we want to give that is because when you stick your head in an art piece and you see the kaleidoscopic effect, I want that. I, that's my own personal creation of the way I stuck my head in slowly in that move. And if I can say, if I can video that and share that, that's a creation. You're putting the hand, uh, you're putting, you're, you're making the artist or the creator out of the audience in that point. Same with liminal. Liminal's more, uh, the phone is there prevalent, but the difference isn't, for us, it's really important that we use that as not a, uh, situation of taking you, of uh, basically we want people to be present. And so the phone can be contradictory to that. Hmm. Um, so what we've tried to do is create the experience in such a way where the individual can impact their environment. And then that photo or that video is really their creation. It's hmm. their co collaboration between the art piece or the installation and themselves or the other people in the room. So for us, now that's really subtle and we don't say that anywhere, but that's how we're thinking about it. It's mm. less about just be there to take a bunch of photos, you yeah. know? It's more about the, you know, create your own kind of masterpiece with that and then share it. Are, are you thinking about it to the extent that you're actually sort of designing and curating around, yes. you know, almost as a sort of participatory art piece? 100%. So, uh, so yes, hundred percent. I mean, everything we do is is designed to be interactive and engaging, enjoyable by the individual, and even further enjoyed by the by the group as a whole. So, me um, as one person can can create impact the environment and make it really cool. But if three people suddenly come in and be like, we can have a different effect, and then you know, again, you're bringing strangers together and yeah. creating a connection moment. And have you? Have you heard? Um, have you heard negative feedback? Have you heard criticism? I mean, I think something that's funny in the artosphere is that um, people oftentimes uh, will sort of put those criticisms out there, sort of from a philosophical perspective. But then sometimes that never even touches the actual experience of the gallery or um, or even necessarily the press. I mean, I've seen a lot of times where you would expect that, but you don't actually see it. Has this been a criticism that you guys are dealing with, or is it um, purely around, hypothetical right Around now? the social media and the uh, Yeah, just kind of like the shareability and what that does to the intent of the artwork itself. No, actually, no. Um, in fact, if anything, it's the other way around. It's like, how can we share more and take mm. more? Um you know, so so again, it's no, we haven't seen that criticism. We've seen a lot of other criticisms, but not that one. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, I think people would want to be able to do more out of the garden, of course, but we'll get there. You know, we'll get there with the technology in the next, you know, next release. We might, in the next few weeks, we might just roll out that sort of user generated um, video or photo capture in garden. Then yeah. you can just, you know, share that real time. Um, but yeah, no, we haven't had that criticism yet. Um, I, I almost think people come in expecting, can we use our phones? Can we, you know? Yeah. That that was, it's kind of my next train of thought is, um, you know, because, because what you're doing here is, um, is fairly new and not necessarily everybody has seen something like this. What are you finding people's expectations are walking in the door? What do they think they're walking into? Uh, expectations. <laughs> it's amazing how many people have an expectation without a frame of reference. Yeah. Um, well, that's the hard thing, right? I mean, they don't have a frame of reference. For right. Like but then this. 
then 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 don't have an expectation. Right. <laughs> I mean, no Fair offense, enough. people. In a perfect I, I, world, I mean, I totally right? respect everybody's opinion. <laughs> really do. I mean, it's beautiful. Listen, if we didn't have criticism, how do you learn and grow? Sure. You know, some of it's nonsense, and some of it's truly like, oh, that's really great. You know, thanks for the feedback. You know, we'll improve and we'll 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 do better. Um, I think you know, AR is not a common technology that's been experienced by ninety. Eight percent of the people who walk through the door, maybe even ninety-nine percent of the people who walk through the door, and or let's say ninety, and then ninety-nine percent of the people who walk through the door has never seen a Hololens before or or put one on. Right. So, um, what happens is people come in thinking it's VR, and have had the people that have had a VR experience then end up being a little disappointed by the fact that they're not fully immersed within the headset, hmm. and there's a field of view limitation, and there's all these other things, and it's like, well, <laughs> you know. VR is one thing and AR is the other. The reason we chose AR versus VR is because we're about connection and connection requires eye contact. Hmm. And so in VR, you're isolated, you know, and, and you're also a little uncomfortable, even if you have people in the experience with you because you're like, I don't see, I'm not around, I can't, you know. And so with the HoloLens, with, with AR, at least headsets right now, you can have the, you know, you can have that shared experience with 20 other people in the room. Um, so, you know, I think one of the biggest hurdles or uh, expectations we address a lot is the fact that, well, I had a VR experience and there's nothing like it. And, well, that's uh, that's one. Um, the arti- artists and industry are the people who don't have the issues. It's hmm. generally hmm. public. And the, it's funny how members of the public will, will sort of criticize and be like, wow, I feel bad for the artists, their work being shown like this. I mean, da, 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 da. And it's like, well, that's a shame because, you know, the artists signed off and they're all pretty good about it. So, <laughs> And I'm not saying, I'm not saying ignore that. I get it. But it's like, what is the expectation being based off is my question. You know, it's like, mm. so it's, this is the beginning of a new tech use of it. And we're right at the beginning. So it's just going to get better. And, yeah. you know, so it's just, it's about the evolution of it. Yeah, how would you expect that? I mean, what what is required for the correct frame of reference? Do you think? I mean, is this something that we're working that you know, it's things or? we're figuring. It, you know, it's better maybe information and knowledge sharing ahead of time. Um, you know, on the onboarding experience, there's only so much you can tell people because they forget. By the time you're at the end, they've forgotten what you said at the beginning. Right. Um, but you know, it is part of that. It's setting the expectation. This is AR, not VR. It's a different experience. It augments your existing reality. Um, part of it is just more better communication on the website. Also offering on-site information. You know, some people are really interested ahead of time or about the art or the tech or want to know more. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think we're learning and figuring it out. Um, there's a fine line between how much information you give people and how much you don't. And, you know, you don't want to overwhelm. Yeah. You also don't want to say so much that you've already created a preconceived notion in someone's mind and then... Yeah. You know, so it, it's a tough one. I, I don't have a good answer for it. Yeah. Well, where do you, so you've, you've mentioned a little bit that, um, that, you know, what, what you, we have today is really the MVP of where you'd like this to go. And, um, you know, as we talk about, um, your expectation that in 20 years, you know, movies become these immersive experiences and, you know, that we need to kind of shape people. What is, what is the, um, what is the pie in the sky dream that you have? Uh, what is the vision that you want to be able to do tomorrow that you don't think you can do today? Um, well, I think, I think it's, I don't know that we can't do it today. I just think it's, uh, it's time and money. Um, and then also yeah. tech. Um, so, you know, we've, 
the things we want to be doing, we actually have the capability to do some of which are, for example, right now, your garden experience is in, in individuals. It's not a share. It's shared. You're sharing it together, but you're not affecting each other. So your action, you're using the finger to activate a hotspot or an environment, isn't changing it for the other people around you. Hmm. Um, we want to move into shared states so that you start to go, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to grab that person, that person. If we do this thing here, think Zelda, but immersive, right? We suddenly find this key. Oh, there's a key. What do we do with that? That person's like, oh, I found a lock or something. I'm just simplifying it, right? But it's like, oh, so start to, so elements of somewhat problem solving, but but breaking the ice, you know, it's in an an immersive world. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. And then you have that connection point. Yeah. Two, in a shared state, you might be looking, we're looking at the same object together, but I see it in red and you see it in, in yellow. Um, you know, and that strikes its own interesting conversation of, well, there's two, pers- there's always many perspectives or views on the same thing, you know, so it's it's really about opening the mind and shifting. So for us, it's those kind of behaviors, also using biosensors and um, other mm. tech to be able to um, change belief systems, you know, to work on that neurolinguistic program and that element, not to that depth, but to be able to remind that we're here responsible for the earth that we stand on, that, you know, that that we actually have the power to control our personal environment, you know, that we can see things in the way we want to see things. We choose to see things how we do. So it's these you can, that's where we want to go with it. And as far as the content and the worlds, I want them to be as immersive as Jim Cameron's avatar or Pandora but with the content super grounded in reality. If you do a Google search for like the craziest looking like insects uh, in the world, I yeah. mean, or the craziest looking plant or, you know, or, or creatures and man, there's some things that you're like, that, what? that's real. Like imagine <laughs> putting that out there and suddenly someone's like, Oh, cool. And then as you scroll over, it goes, Oh, this is actually the Venezuelan moth and exists here. And it's like, what yeah. you know and then it's like well i want to learn a bit more and that might take you down a rabbit hole i i don't know we're not here to this is just an experiment in the beginning you know of like do, do you think there there's something about that um that grounding that's really sort of a key to success because you know with with when you combine technology with a creative mind you can get really fantastical results and otherworldly things and totally. you know you can get really far off this planet um so why is it so important for you that there's some grounding thread in that um yeah so before that let me say that being grounded can still be otherworldly mm-hmm. and so i i think otherworldly in dimensions uh, that exist if you think about it or that we believe do yeah. you know we want that. We want to encourage that experience and that open-mindedness to there. There are realms. You know, if you look at the way we, I mean, it's not really in the story right now, but the idea of the HoloLens and the field of view, if you play it into the story, it's, it's, a, it's your binoculars into a further depth of reality, right? Mm. It's not to be used to see at scale. It's like, how do you, you go explore? But, you know, you stand back and then you can immerse in the rest of it. So um, I uh, think I just forgot what we were talking about. Um, <laughs> The, um, the grounding thing. Oh, yeah, the grounding thing. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's again a balance, but it's the grounding thing is maintaining reality because we spend so much time escaping it. 
They're, why? Why are we running away from the coolest things that we have? Okay, there's some nonsense going on in the world. There always has been. It hasn't changed. We just have more communication tools to see it and be for it to be around us. You know, I mean, if you look at the history of the world, I mean, what is different today to 100 years ago to 200 years ago? I mean, you know, the patterns are there, right? So, um, so for us, it's like creating fantasy for the sake of fantasy then further divides and disconnects us from you know from ourselves and what we want to do so having an element of reality and actually you know showing people not just reminding but showing a lot of people that these cool looking things are out there you know then i don't have a problem throwing a dragon in the mix or throwing a you know dinosaur that doesn't exist that's fine as yeah. long as there are elements, you know, then that's, you know, that's, that's really important. Because again, if you start going pure fantasy, then it becomes an escape. And we're not trying, we're trying to keep, bring you back to ground and presence. Hmm. Um, which also is a tricky line when you talk about the mobile phone, you know, it, it is. You don't want more people walking around like this. That's why we decided not to add a mobile element to the a AR experience. Hmm. Because we don't want people sticking their faces in the phone. Yeah. With liminal, they don't walk around with their phone open the whole time because it's such an immersive experience that you want to interact. And then you take it out to have that moment, yeah. you know? And so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, um, you know, that very well could be a, uh, a differentiating factor for you guys. I think it's, I don't know if anybody cares about my opinion, but I, uh, I, I always think that's something that um, sometimes creative projects can overlook that the idea that if you don't ground it, in something things get a little bit too far away to be relatable and that's even just at a very generic scale you mm -hmm. know if you don't have something that um you can relate to then it, it it could be cool but again you run the risk of novelty versus any yeah. thing that's really moving and the affinity and the connection and be it emotional be it spiritual be it whatever um with things should be you know for us unlike a disney we don't want you to have affinity to characters we're creating. We'd mm. rather that it's the experiences and going, okay, I know if I go to a Wondom experience, you know, it's going to be artful. It's going to be elegant. It's going to be uh, innovative, you know. Um, it's going to be fun. And I hope that's, you know, that's our hope. That's where we want people to walk away from. Um, you know, we, we see ourselves as, as the... You know, the approach we're taking, and I don't mean the premium experience, I mean sort of think of the theater of, or the ballet of like immersive, right? It's like we want the venues to be a place that you might consider taking a date. We want the, you know, or a group yeah. of friends or it's after work or it's, you know, just yourself. And it's like feel comfortable to just sit in the space. One domes or one domes, there's just one right now. Uh, <laughs> You know, our actual venue is actually open to the public without a ticket. So you can actually yeah. walk in and hang out in the lounge or the cafe, and that's intentional. Mm. Um, you know, we just happened to, you know, be sold out for a couple of weeks, so there's these crazy lines out the door, and people just thought they had to stand in line. And, you know, it's it's just, again, it's behavioral. So you start to, yeah. you know, we're a community experience. We're open to all. Mm. Like, you know, yes, if we're super sold out and there's 2,000 people in the venue and some, are not, we might have to figure that out, right? If you've right, got a right, ticketed right, experience right, versus right. people going, I just spent X amount and this person's still hanging out, you know? <laughs> um, but, you know, we want to be inclusive. It's really important. Yeah. Well, Layla, thank you so much for your time. Um, I know that you you are very busy. You have a sick dog to take care of, or an injured dog, not uh, sick. We hope he's he's just yes, he's, <laughs> he's an amazing dog, three legged right now. <laughs> um. So so, how can our listeners find you? How can they pay attention? What where do you want them to go? Yeah, I mean, come to Wonder. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, social media is good. Follow our channels um, at Wonder Global. 
um, across all social channels. Myself personally, I mean, you can, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty prevalent on social media if you find me. Um, <laughs> and my email address, I mean, I'm, I'm always, look, I, I, I'm happy to put it out there, especially we're, we're constantly open to people coming into the field, ideas, new artists, new visionaries, new technologists. You know, we're, we want to build a network and we want to make it, we want to allow success for everybody, you know, and there's no exclusivity. So it doesn't mean that you have to be with us forever if you're going yeah. to be part of the One Dome Collective business. It's, you know, it's just, yeah. it's more like be free to create. That's what we want to do. So, you know, if we have, whether it's artists, technologists or, or whatever, everything in between who really want to participate in this um, and be part of these productions or future productions, you know, absolutely reach out. You, yeah. know? you can find me. Yeah. Do I share my email? Yeah, probably. <laughs> if, if you want to. <laughs> Your listeners are cool. I'll share it. It's just Layla at OneDome.global. But, um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, Thanks for having me. It's clear that you love this and that, uh, you know, just seeing seeing the buzz in the office, people are working really, really hard here. So I hope our listeners check it out um, and uh, get online and buy some tickets. Yeah, we'd love that. I mean, you know, and there's uh, there's more to come and there's more cities that are going to start unfolding very soon. Um, So stay tuned for this. Awesome. Thanks so much, Layla. Thank you. As always, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of State of the Art. Thank you so much uh, to Layla. It was a great interview. Clearly, she has uh, a huge passion for what she's doing. Um, The operation there is really impressive. The people are clearly very passionate about what they're doing. So I would urge you all, if you're in the Bay Area, to check out One Dome, check out Liminal, check out the Unreal Garden. It's very, very cool stuff they're doing. And if you want to find out more, if you want to buy tickets, or if you just want to stay tuned, uh, onedome.global is their website. It's kind of a weird URL, but check that out. That's onedome, O-N-E-D-O-M-E dot global. Uh, And all of their social handles on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, also onedome.global. So check them out. And if you like this episode, if you like what we're doing here at State of the Art, please rate and review us. Give us five stars. Uh, Tell everybody about us. That's the best thing you can do to help us kind of grow, expand, find new awesome listeners just like you. So thank you so much. This has been another episode of State of the Art.